<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Max Thank you so much for being on, Max. This is truly... I, I can't tell you how much of an honor this is when they uh, told us that this may be a possibility. John and I both were thrilled because we've known about you for such a long time. And you're the first Max on the podcast, which there you I, go. I feel, like, there you I feel go. like that's such a cool name. It, it's like, it is. It is. Obviously, you've met my parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> he was so he was so nice and gentle. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He thinks I'm in Michigan, so don't tell him that I'm in Texas. He's been looking for me. We'll bleep out the states. That you well, just we're said. Yeah. we're contractually obligated to tell him where you are. Just so you are know. You? So enjoy this last hour of freedom. I'll do we'll it. Get, I'll we'll do give it. you a few minutes head start. <laughs> yeah. Just to kind of get on the road. Tell, tell him that last ankle bracelet left a bruise. I need a. <laughs> they always do. Sure, surely they've updated those things. Yeah, emotional and physical bruise. Um, so we, we start the dad bills. This is always fun for us and, and usually awkward for our guests, sadly, but, um, with what we call the brag sheet, which is just kind of all the amazing things that you've done, um, out in the world. And man, Max, you are coming in hot with this thing, man. This is like, I don't even know. I've tried to consolidate this thing because it feels like this could take the whole podcast is talking about what you've done, which is just so amazing. So, uh, here we go. We're going to brag on you for a second. So Max Licato has written almost a hundred books. 
which is just starting there is insane with insane. 130 million copies. If you print. just focus on quantity and don't worry about quality, <laughs> anybody could do that. Anybody could. <laughs> I'm a little pushback on that. But I don't even, believe that. Even if they're terrible books, it's still kind of impressive. You know? <laughs> so true. Um, he was a recipient of the Charles Kipp Jordan Gold Medallion Christian Book of the Year Award three times, which is incredible for his books, Just Like Jesus and the Grip of Grace and When God Whispers Your Name, and has also appeared regularly on several bestseller lists, including the New York Times bestseller list. You don't uh, have Kate, to read the whole thing. You don't. <laughs> well, trust me, we, we can't. I mean, literally, it would be we'd clock out at 45 minutes and you'd be asleep and we'd be very anxious and uncomfortable uh, with our lives and what we've achieved. Um, this is I love this. Lucado was named America's pastor by Christianity Day magazine and, and in 2005 was named by Reader's Digest as the best preacher in America. Um, he is also do you get a did they send you something for that? It'd be amazing. Just a little, just a little plaque in the back. It'd be um, kind of like, you know, that story about the kid who won the most humble award and they took it away because he wore it. Right, right. <laughs> you have to decline that award. That's exactly, yeah, you don't get it if you accept it. That would yeah. be a great thing. Um, but obviously, you just had so much, so much. It's amazing to see how much your work and ministry has been out in the public space for such a long time, too. I think that's what's so fun. One of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you is it's not been something that's, you know, been a few years, but you've just been, you know, kind of ubiquitous, um, and especially in Christendom for such a long time, but too in, in the mainstream and just your wisdom in the books and, and your gift that you've shared for such a long time. Um, and so we're thrilled to have you. Thanks for being on. Well, it, it really is a treat. It's an honor to meet you both. It really is. And mm. uh, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about uh, life as a dad and to encourage dads. It's a, it's a tough season. It's mm. a tough season yeah. to be raising kids. And so I'm thrilled uh, to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, thanks. So I've got a question. Uh, I want to start out talking about you and your dad. But before we get to that, when Dave mentioned that you were named America's pastor, I just real quick, I just have to know, do you remember where, like, what was your headspace when you first heard <laughs> that you were named America's that, pastor? That, I, you know, I would the, think that would be a conflicting well, reaction. Those it's probably best not to ponder that too much. And I, I don't know where it came from and uh, I try not to take it too seriously. Right. There's no, there's no job description that comes with it. Uh, I can, uh, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. It, that was something Christianity today. The magazine did once. And, is that where you, that night, you and your wife got to dinner and you just kind of think, we did it, honey. We finally, <laughs> <laughs> we finally did well, it. Well, I, I, I'll say sometimes I'll look around at America and say, well, if I'm the pastor, we need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. How, is that a term limit on that? That's right. Well, we better get somebody in there who knows what they're doing. <laughs> okay, so let's talk real quickly. I just want to get kind of a, you know, a basic picture of your upbringing and your relationship with your dad. Your dad is Italian, right? Sounds like it, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> it actually, does. it's actually Locato is is uh, 
Uh, it comes from uh, France. It's a French name. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was anglicized. Our ancestry, though, goes way back to the American Revolution. But uh, there's not very many people in the United States with the name Lucado. It's a bit of a unique name. It was originally written with an E-A-U-X on the end. Oh, so I, don't, okay. I don't speak okay. French, so I won't even try to pronounce it. But uh, the, it, it, it traces its ancestry back to France. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Wikipedia uh, ran with that one. It, it was. I was given the impression your dad was first generation Italian, so I was going to really right? spend the next four minutes on that. We had a lot of pizza that, questions. But, pizza oh and pasta. boy, that, well, I tell you, that makes me hungry. Are you, are you guys Italian? No, but we no. do eat it no. well. Oh uh, boy, Isn't we consume it culinarily. Yeah. So, did you? What, what was your dad like? What like? What was that relationship? You, like? you would have loved my dad. He was such a rock solid guy. He uh, he was a mechanic. Uh, he worked in the oil fields of mm. West Texas. Uh, he he was just a fix-it guy. Uh, he loved life. He was 40 when I was born. I came along oh, wow. as a surprise, wow. kind of late in life. Uh, uh, he was very steady. My mom, by contrast, uh, uh, had had really serious mood swings. Mm. Uh, we, you know, back in the uh, 60s, uh, I don't think any of us thought to talk about phrases like depression, but uh, yeah. I, I look back and I, I wonder uh, then. But Dad was the stabilizing influence in our life, uh, and and uh, just a, just a, a great guy. He mm. was uh, very much a, a behind the scenes fella. Uh, he he became a Christian as an adult. Oh, he wow. was one of nine uh, kids, wow. and most of his kids struggle with alcoholism. And uh, he mm-hmm. he uh, he became a Christian, but through the influence of somebody in the oil field, I never met the guy. By the time I came along, uh, he he was he was walking walking the walk. Uh, I'll yeah. always miss him. He 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 left us far too soon. He li- mm-hmm. he died at the age of sixty nine mm-hmm. from ALS. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a real hard disease. It, it, the last two or three years were really rough. But he he uh, was was and and is dearly beloved. Gosh. And and so you have you're the youngest of four, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So yeah. was is there a big age gap between yes, you and your oldest? Great observation. Great yeah. observation. Yeah. My my two older sisters uh uh were fifteen and thirteen when I was born. Wow. I do have a brother who's already passed into heaven who mm-hmm. was three years old when I was born. I'm the youngest. Oh, okay. So we, we were kind of in two groups. <clears throat> yeah. So, so you kinda of had two camps growing up. Yeah. It was right. like, yeah. Sort of the older yeah. and the younger. Yeah. 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 God, that's amazing. John. Dave. One thing I've found more and more in this season of life is I keep reflecting on what life was like this time last year and how different 2021 has shaken out to be. Oh, amen, Dave. I mean, who knew getting back out in the world and returning to normal life would be such a struggle? I'll tell you what I didn't. I try to confide in my friends and family, but we're all going through the same thing together. And it's hard to feel heard and get practical advice from people that are so close to you sometimes. I agree. And now more than ever, we need to prioritize our mental well-being. Yeah, that's exactly why I started using Talkspace. No matter who we are, a dad and a musician like me, or a millennial and a student, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. But how do you fit it into your busy schedule, Dave? 
Here's what's great about Talkspace. It offers individual and couples therapy and works around your schedule at your convenience. You can send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app, as well as schedule live video sessions from anywhere. Talkspace almost makes therapy too easy. It does feel like that. You can match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code DADVILLE. Start feeling better with the single message. That's $100 off when you use the code DADVILLE at Talkspace.com. One of the things that I think is so, John and I got such a kick out of this. So you, you later, you know, as you grow up, you become a book salesman, which is so, so I mean, the irony and humor in that <laughs> can't be missed to me. You know, John, what did you I say earlier you, that made so, me laugh? So really, you've been selling books since college. <laughs> I guess I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I want to talk about that because you, you paid your way through college by selling books Door to door. Door to door. Yeah. Which is, uh, I want to know yeah. what that experience was like. That's was that ever a, a temptation too when you started selling your own books just to, yeah, just to throw just a couple in there? Start going door to door. Yeah. I mean, it worked uh, once. It, yeah, it worked once. Might as well. Hi there. Hi, ma'am. I'm out here selling books. Have you I mean, heard of me? Uh, there, there's a company, you guys are in Nashville, yeah, and, uh, and there's Nelson, a, right? that, that my publisher is Thomas Nelson. However, there's a company in, in Nashville called Southwestern. Oh, Southwestern, that's have right. You ever, have that's you ever right. heard yes. of it? We yes, have. We have a really Barrett good Ward friend of ours, yeah, Barrett Ward, who did the same thing. He, yeah. he, uh, he sold books, I don't know for how many years, but he worked for that company for a while. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's one of those deals I... I wouldn't give a million dollars for the experience, but I wouldn't do it again for a million dollars. <laughs> it's hard work. It's, you know, nobody likes a door-to-door salesman. Right. And, uh, and they, they pluck you up. I was going to college in Texas. They pluck you up, take you to Nashville, send you through a week of, of sales school, and then send you somewhere. One summer they sent me to Georgia. One summer they sent me to Alabama. But it was a great experience. And like I say, it, 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 you, if you work hard, you can make enough money to pay room and board and tuition, which is which is what I needed. And uh, yeah, my deal—I was not a Christian in, in college. Mm. I was I was a jerk. I was a I was a womanizer. Mm. I was a serious drinker. That 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 plight of alcoholism on our family tree made a serious play for me. Wow. Uh, I was super. I, I I was a misogynistic chump. I, mm. I I was arrogant. I fought. I got in brawls all the time. I was just. It, you would not want your kids to uh, ever go out on a date with me. Mm. And so when when my friend convinced me to start going to church with him at the age of twenty, uh, and by God's sovereignty took me to a church where the grace of Christ was preached. Mm. Uh, after about four or five sermons, I went down to the altar and I said, man, I, my life's a mess. I know where I'm, I could sense where I was headed and I, I, I received forgiveness and it was a life changing experience for me. It really was. So how far after that do you, do you figure out you want to go into the ministry? Was that a pretty immediate That's a great question? What a great question. It was, uh, I had to change peer groups. I didn't, the, the guys I ran with, uh, I could not change them, and, mm. and I knew they would change me. And so the fellow who invited me to church at this small college in West Texas uh, uh, was going to be a uh, a missionary 
or he wanted to be, he was in seminary. He wanted to be a missionary. So I tagged along with him wherever he went. I started taking Bible classes wow. and, uh, I just needed to, I was pretty desperate. And so I ended up, uh, uh, signing up with him to, to, to do mission work, never intending to be a pastor. I, I my thinking <laughs> was, I want to go to mission. I want to be a missionary mm. and I, oh, wow. I, I, I'd like to do that for a few years and then I'll come back. And I had no clue what I would do, but we ended up in South America, in Brazil, Brazil. In, that's right. Yeah. In Rio de Janeiro. And that's where my daughters were born. Oh, and, wow. Uh, oh, yeah. cool. And what, up, what was it about being a missionary that you were drawn to? Was it just your friend's influence yeah, that he yeah. wanted to do it? Well, uh, Yes, that's primarily it. Yeah, there, there, that group of uh, two or three of us that were interested expanded to a group of uh, of about nine families. Wow! And 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 again, we're talking about a span here of beginning when I was about twenty until we moved to Brazil when I was twenty-seven. So a wow. seven-year period, enough time for everybody to get out of college, to get a seminary degree, maybe to get some experience, to raise some money. And so by the time we could all get there, uh, it was it was it was about seven years seven years later. Man, and, and what and was so your your dad? You know, your dad. You said became a Christian yeah. in adulthood. Yeah, and so you had some overlap time there where you were not in; he was kind of in. What yeah. was that dynamic like? Yeah, it was tense uh, uh-huh. because uh, both my older brother and I, uh, you know, worshipped regularly at the altar of Adolf Coors, uh, <laughs> and and my dad, who had uh, grown up in a family of alcoholics, oh, uh, wow. was was a teetotaler himself, and um, and and we we he. Uh, Boy, he wanted to boot us out of the house. It was tense during yeah. our, our teenage years. Uh, my brother uh, especially battled alcoholism for most of his life. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I really think I was miraculously delivered, uh, mm. uh, you know, from from where I would have ended up. But yeah, there was a period there when I was probably 15 till about 20 that uh, I, I, I contributed nothing to society. And my dad <laughs> was really disgusted. Uh, but you know what? He hung in there and he kept loving on us. Uh, he, he, uh, he was pretty severe, pretty mm-hmm. severe discipline on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that's the reason that I went to a Christian college. Wow. Uh, he said, you can go. Every, all my buddies were going to you know, Texas Tech. You may have heard of Texas Tech. That was right. about two hours from us. I had two or three buddies going to University of Texas. But there was this college called Abilene Christian. Uh, and uh, uh, he said, if you go there, I'll." You, you mentioned that I paid my own tuition. That's not quite true. He said, I'll split it with you if you go mm-hmm. to the Christian college. Well, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. And so I went to the <laughs> to went to Abilene Christian, and that's where I was exposed to some good friends. By the way, yeah. some of my really best friends went on to Nashville and mm. really had uh, some great uh, music careers. There's a guy named oh, yeah? Chris Chris Harris, and he and I, I were Chris. roommates. Do you I know, know him? Yes, I do. Know he's Chris. a piece of work, isn't he? He is. He's great. <laughs> yeah, he's been around a long time. And I think I don't know that y'all would have been there at the same time, but I think Brown Bannister. Brown was Bannister ACU was guy, just a yeah. few years ahead of me. He's kind of a music legend, right? Yeah. Oh, he's oh, he yeah. is. I mean, he's he's, he's a superstar. Superstar. We, we actually have done a couple of records together, Brown and I. No. A couple of Christmas records, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and they're they're family or dear friends of ours. They're yeah, he's he is one of the best humans in the world. 
He just got um, a gentle heart. What he about does. what about Mike Blanton? Very another. Does that name ring a bell? Oh yes, Mike used to be at a. Um, we worked together for a few years too. Mike is a. I love. I actually just saw them at a flag football game. He and his wife, and we caught up for a long time. My goodness. Uh, well, yeah, there's, well, that's good people. That's some yeah. talented, good people coming out of Abilene. Yeah, all routed through Abilene Christian. And yeah. really, the school enjoyed a revival, a spiritual mm. revival that I was blessed to be there. And 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 uh, and the Lord really touched me during those days. And but there was some some good things happening in the school. Yeah. So so you you go from there. You you and your wife go to Brazil. You have your kids there. I guess did you have all your kids there? Two of the three. Two oh, two three. Three. Okay, yeah. and then y'all go back to Texas. Right. No, you go to Miami. You're you're almost you almost got it. Well, I <laughs> that's go a, from, that's actually I, I the theme from, of this podcast. Is we're almost right. We're now. almost there. there. <laughs> that's close. Uh, Miami preceded Brazil. Oh, uh, okay. yeah. Miami okay. preceded. Okay. I, okay. I know it gets complex, but the short answer is: in those days, to be a missionary in Brazil, you had to have two things: a seminary degree and two years of experience at a oh, church, wow. or the country would not let you in as a oh, missionary. Wow. Oh, wow! So that the, was country, a Brazilian the country thing. required it. So yeah. I, I got a seminary degree, and then I found a church in Miami uh, that would allow me to serve on the staff for a. a it was started to be two years, ended up being three years. Wow. And and my wife and I married in Miami and then we moved to Brazil. Gosh, that's okay. crazy. And then, and then you come back and is that when, cause this is something that was so fascinating to me was being an author. You, you had your sights initially on being a missionary that changes into, I guess, you know, you become a pastor as you get back to the States when, you know, the, and, and, and is it right that you were kind of writing newsletters, you're writing sort of mm-hmm. things within the church? Well, you've it, done your homework. Yeah. With, with a, apparently, I've done yeah. half my homework. I feel like all, all of our intel. Yeah, we should be of... updating your Wikipedia page as we're doing this conversation. Oh, I know. John, Don't trust, that. Don't trust yeah. Wikipedia. Um, but but yeah. when, when, did your, when did you see the gift of your ability to write? Um, when did you see the fruits of that? Was that something pretty immediate? In, it in... was. It was in South America. Oh when wow! I, when I, I, our, our first year in Brazil was dedicated to language study. Mm. Uh, you had to learn the language, and yeah. so Which we Portuguese would have is Portuguese, no right? Joke. Yeah, and it's a beautiful. I'm not that linguistically gifted, so it really took uh, some mm. hard work. So in the evenings, rather than you know, study Portuguese all day, go talk to somebody in the evening in Portuguese or watch television in Portuguese. Uh, you know, I, I thought, well, I've, I've got all these articles that I wrote for a church bulletin in Miami. I'm going to see if I can turn them into a book. Wow. And, and, uh, and so I gave it a go and I, I, I mailed the manuscript to 15 publishers. I got 14 rejections. Literally, the 15th one said yes. And wow! That opened the door. You guys know how this how it is. If you, it's hard to get that first opportunity. Yeah. But once you We're get that first one, we're familiar with rejection. You, yeah. you yeah. probably are. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how it all started. And 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 did that? Did you feel like when? So the book comes out. Um, did that feel like a uh, something you were like, wow, I, I really enjoy that and I want to do more of that? Was it something that you saw that it did really well and, and, and you thought, ooh, there's what a little a, fire What here. a great question. The book did poorly. It, it really? really did. Yeah, it did uh, poorly. But by the time uh, I had that book finished, I was working on a second. 
And by the time I finished the second, I was working on a third. Wow. Somewhere along there, you think, okay, this is more than just a one, you know, one assignment deal. I think this might be a calling. Wow. And and so I just, I just stayed at it uh, and kept writing. And, and so you started writing those uh, articles because it was just part of your job initially, right? Then you just put it together and put the book out. But when you you go through all that rejection, you're getting 14, you just got 14 rejection letters from publishers, and you finally get the, the acceptance. The book doesn't do well, yet you start writing that second book. That would be the first time that you started writing just on your own. Yeah, yeah. And it, that's an interesting like, lead-up to, to it starting. Yeah. What do you think it was that uh, made you I, start writing that second book? Yeah, I, I think two things. Uh, one is that our missionary team uh, told you we were a group of young missionaries. We really discovered grace in mm. Brazil. Wow. Uh, we went down to South America and had the audacity to think that just by showing up, people would come and attend a church, which there's <laughs> you know nine gringos in there who can barely speak English. It's just crazy. Uh, what, what audacity. And yeah. our little church didn't grow. I mean, there were many, many weekends that we were out that Americans outnumbered Brazilians in the mm-hmm. church. We we rented a little storefront and hung up a sign that said "Come and worship with us," and nobody came. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so we had a come to Jesus experience ourselves. We said, uh, "What what is it? What's the core of the Christian gospel? What is it that we need to be talking about?" And and I know this is Christianity 101, but it, we we realized we were not really teaching the forgiveness of sins and the mm. defeat of death, the forgiveness of sins and the defeat of death. And, 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 and so we said, okay, from now on, we're good. Well, that created an awareness in my own life, though I had been saved by grace. Uh, I had kicked into a pretty serious case of legalism, trying mm. to save myself by being good. And I had a rediscovery of God's grace. And so I started writing, uh, about that, about that. And so that's what really got me writing is, is mm. my own experience with grace. And, but then number two, the second reason I re- I've always loved books. I've always mm. liked the craft of writing. I'm not a real academic sort of guy, but I love words. I love the well-written phrase. And so, uh, those two things came together. Uh, mm. I loved writing. I, I was rediscovered by grace. And so the second book really did well. It's called mm-hmm. No Wonder They're Calling the Savior. And it got a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then the third book, it, it did even better. And so, you know, it, it I don't know. Is that a, <laughs> too long of an answer? No, that's, no, no, no. <laughs> that's exactly it. John. Dave. I love listening to, and so I'm always looking for new podcasts to better educate myself, especially in the ongoing fight for equality. Do you have any you like? I'm so glad that you asked, Dave. Lately, I've been listening to Latasha Morrison's Be The Bridge podcast. Latasha Morrison is a best-selling and award-winning author, bridge builder, reconciler, and compelling voice in the fight for racial justice. In 2016, she founded Be The Bridge to better equip ambassadors of racial reconciliation. That is so cool, and it sounds exactly what I'm looking for. A podcast, it's another step in cultivating conversations that will hopefully lead to real change. Exactly. Their vision is to foster a world in which people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth, so all are equipped to flourish. 
Episodes are released every other Tuesday, so be sure to check out Latasha Morrison's Be The Bridge podcast today. One of the things that I think is the, the maybe, to me, it's, it would be on the Mount Rushmore things that I think are so amazing about you Quit is it. that, well, let me say it first, <laughs> and then you can say, actually, that's not true, because it's been sort of a theme here. Um, I, I am always, always, always so moved by this when I see this in, in the world, and especially in Christendom, but in 1990, you stopped taking a salary because of the books had done so well, and I think... This is always so profound to me, always. When you see someone, we've talked about this in other interviews with guests too, but when you see people, um, when they could go big, they go small. It's just so counterintuitive and it's so countercultural to go, I can keep acquiring, but instead I'm not going to. Um, And obviously, you know, uh, books were doing well, so that afforded you the ability, but still you didn't have to do that. And I think that is, it speaks so much to your character, uh, can you can you tell us? I mean, I think a lot of you know, as we think about dads and we think about men who work and what we do, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this are probably going, "Whoa, that's a that's a big move." Can you sort of walk us through that? Like, what got you there? Like, what you've seen from that decision? You know, any wisdom you've gained from that? Uh, I, I really, yeah. If 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 you knew how well the books were doing, you would know that wasn't a sacrifice. Yeah, it really yeah, yeah. was not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I, I just say, I mean, I wasn't, yeah. we didn't have to down, downsize or anything. Yeah, to right, do right, that. right, right, right. The, the books were just, it was just running and gunning. Um, yeah. And so it, it was not a terribly hard decision. It was the least I could do. You know, mm. the church yeah. was so gracious to me. I, I was a young, by then I was 30, 35 Mm. Uh, I, I was fresh off the mission field. I had all these crazy ideas about how to fix our church. You know, I was kind of Mr. Revolutionary. And after a couple of years, I realized how patient they were with me. Mm. Uh, and, and so to, for me to, uh, to, for me to, you know, give up that, that salary, number one was not a big deal. It never has been. And number two is mm. it was really the least I could do. I, I really love our church. I really do. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I came in 1988, so I've been here a long time. Mm. I'm semi-retired now. I, I preach 20 times a year, but I don't run the staff or anything anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's been a great ride. It really yeah. has. Mm. Yeah. How how did it or or did it change your relationship with the job you were doing? I mean, you're on staff at a church. Mm. Great point. You're taking a great salary, question. yeah, and then you stop taking a salary. I would have to imagine it would have some sort of if yeah. if even subconscious I, I, effect on your work. Well, as you can imagine, uh, writing and publishing that takes up quite a bit of time, and uh-huh. so uh, in in a sense, it was my way of saying to the church, uh, the, I, "I need I need you to be okay with with the fact that uh, I'm not doing some things that pastors typically do." Right. You know, because uh, because of the writing and the and managing and doing things like we're doing today, you yeah. know, interviews. Uh, so it 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 was uh, I think a way of us accepting one another at, at a different stage wow. yeah. of our relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great yeah. way to say that. Yeah. The the it, one of the things that I'm always fascinated talking to guests who've had success uh, like you've had especially in a Christian context, because that's such a tricky space, you know, like the, 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 um, the road is well littered with people who have 
had success in Christendom and then it sort of bit him, you know, uh, can you like, what was it like seeing your books take off? Was there ever like a dilemma around that? How have you sort of navigated that tricky sort of like having the world really love what you do? Um, and still trying to be a pastor, still trying to be a husband, especially being a dad, like, and knowing that God has just given you this gift that really resonates with a lot of people. What is it like to walk that space? What is it like to sort of have some disciplines around that? Or, or what does yeah. it look like? I'm, I'm scared to death of that one dumb decision mm. that would run everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm just scared of it. I honestly am. Wow. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. Several friends of mine at my age level are not they're just not there now because mm -hmm. they either made a series of poor choices uh and and we're all just one stupid decision yeah. away from catastrophe. Mm. I mean, what a good yeah, that's so smart, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm 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 afraid of it. And uh I remember that I'm a converted drunk. I try to mm remember that so i've I, ha I have set up boundaries that have that have really helped me mm. uh i have to always I always travel with somebody mm. you know mm. uh i uh, i don't do meetings in my office with a female and mm. my door closed yeah uh I, re I remember mentioning that once in an interview and i got a real hot email from a lady who said that's condescending and mm. I, I really didn't I, I think it's a confession of my own weakness yeah not, yeah. not a suspicion of right of the right. other gender not one bit it's me i don't trust me yeah you know and what i'm gonna yeah. do um I have, uh, I'm reaching over here because my cell phone would drive you crazy because it's got the strictest filter yeah. possible on it. Yeah. And and that's a confession of weakness. I don't mm. trust that if I'm up at late at night, if I know I'm two clicks away from seeing a naked woman, mm. I, I don't, I, I don't believe in myself enough to know I wouldn't do it. I have to have, uh, you know, safeguards up for that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, th those, so I've, I've, I've made those decisions mm. and it's not without stumble yeah, and, and not without failures. Uh, and I got to just tell you, I'm just an old forgiven drunk. And so mm. uh, that's those some, some things I do. It, it uh, sounds, it sounds to me, which man, I appreciate your vulnerability. Th yeah, there has absolutely. to be a very astute understanding of your own sin yeah. that accompanies yeah all of us, no matter where we are in life for the success or lack of whatever. But it's so encouraging to hear that because I think for any of us that, um, especially in front of people, yeah. there's, there's a lot of chances to buy the hype. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of That's chances it. It. to go, you know, maybe they're right. <laughs> maybe they're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's so much wisdom in not mm. accumulating the good or the bad in a way. And like, what I mean by that is great like, point. If if I've gone, you know, the the some of the greatest people to be around are sober people who have accepted that, you know what, I'm I'm one glass of white wine away from yeah. you know, a bender. And there's yeah. such freedom in that. But there yeah. but but I think there's wisdom in not counting the days that I haven't taken a drink or whatever the thing is and not yeah. counting the days that I did take a drink. Like Good it's word. just the present. Good word. You know? Good word. It, it like like and and also you've got to be equally quick to dismiss the critics mm. as you are to dismiss 
the applause. <laughs> That's a great because, way. Because <laughs> if you if you linger too long with the critics, you start to you get pulled down. If you listen too long to the applause, you get puffed up, and neither mm-hmm. one are oh, yeah. good for you. Yeah, I remember God, that's a good in the word. very beginning of my career, I met with a media, uh, uh, what do they call them? A media coach. You know, this is really early on, and I had she brought this binder of stuff, and she had printed out all the reviews of my first album, which I had never even I I hadn't read any good or bad reviews. And so she gave them to me and she was like, look, I'm, I'm not going to make you read any of these. You can throw this away right now. But, you know, these are the good ones. Here are the bad ones. And after the meeting, I, I, I never looked at the good ones. I only read the bad yeah. ones. And there, I had a pattern for a while of only like I'd go to iTunes and just filter like worst reviews. <laughs> and I would only read those. And it was what? like this yeah. poisonous poison yeah. that I was addicted to of reading the bad of the critics, you know? Yeah. So I don't know why we do that. I know. I, I don't know. know why we do I don't that. know. Yeah. I can't imagine what that would be like for you having that many books sold. Cause you know, yeah, there you, would just you, be yeah. so There's many. There's a lot of noise you got to ignore good and bad. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your face is just saying it all. <laughs> it's, not, it's, a, it's like, yeah. it's a true thing. Yeah. It um, is. You know, so speaking I, of I books. Was, yeah. Yeah. Ahead. It's, it's so I want to talk about these these uh, couple books. A couple more quick questions, though, as we're talking about sort of the space. W- what is it like, and what was it like, especially when your kids were sort of younger and still in the house? They may still be in the house, no judgment if they are. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you're kind of seen as someone, especially as America's pastor, that's <laughs> known for having wisdom, did, did you find that to be have pressure on you like did that how did you deal with that as a dad because i'm sure people by the droves were coming to you for wisdom and like how do you do it and look at your family and you know how it sounds like you have to be a man of discipline already from just what you're saying but how did you let's be clear we're going we're coming to you for wisdom (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. let me let me go ahead and say that now but how did you deal with that and even now how how is that something that you kind of have to walk through like what does that look like uh, you know, when uh, when I came back from Brazil, the books were already doing well. I, I was a, became a pastor. Uh, and then I assumed that I, I was supposed to say yes to every invitation. Hmm. And uh, we uh, so I, I was on the road a lot uh, and, and preaching and traveling and then doing the church thing. And, and my wife uh in the meantime, we had our third child. So there was a time there. We had uh, ages uh, five, three, and and one. And her husband was on the road all the time. Hmm. And then on weekends, I would get in on Saturday nights and I'd, you know, get up early and go to church. And, and you know, hmm. it was just, it was disastrous. Hmm. Uh, so one time I called my wife and uh, from Dallas and I had had an opportunity to do a little tour with a couple of guys like you, you know, mm. but younger, I mean, older now, older now. And, uh, and the names that you would recognize. And they said, we want to do a tour and you come along and be kind of the pastor. You can preach and you will sing. I thought, Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. I called my wife from Dallas. I was, we live in San Antonio and I was at the airport and I said, honey, you're not going to believe this opportunity. I explained it to her. She started to cry. Mm. She just mm. came undone. Mm. And I realized I was completely out of touch with my wife 
and my three kids. And if I didn't get a hold of this, it was going to get really worse. By the time I got home, she was almost in a fetal position. Mm-hmm. She she was just a mess. She was dealing with a combination of three kids that need a lot of attention, a husband who wasn't home, and then the guilt of feeling angry at her husband because he mm-hmm. was out doing the quote unquote Lord's work. Right. And, and, and so it was <laughs> it was a, a real turning point. Uh, Dean Lynn, uh, my wife mm. uh, went to a, a psychologist and, mm. uh, and 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 was diagnosed with depression. Uh, I cleared my track calendar and mm. and and literally did not travel for several years wow. unless wow. it was really a unique thing. Now, my again, my work did not depend on travel, so mm. I don't want to make anybody feel bad who travels. I mean, yeah, if you right. worked, mm-hmm. but you, mine did not. And so I nearly blew that. I mean, the mm-hmm. story, we could, you know, it could have gone a whole different direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord helped me there to have a wake-up call. Uh, so I don't think I've done great. I don't know if I'd give myself a high score mm-hmm. in being a, a husband or a dad. I nearly blew it. I nearly mm-hmm. blew it. You know, in a world where we're always on the go, it's important to find technology that's right for you and your life. And as a musician, it's always important to protect myself. And that's why I depend on my Ultimate Ears Fits earbuds. Like fingerprints, no two ears are exactly the same. And Ultimate Ears is here to customize your listening experience with Fits True Wireless Custom Fit earbuds. Now listen, does my voice sound good right now? Of course it does, but it would sound amazing if you were listening to my voice on a pair of Ultimate Ears Fits Unlike other custom mold earbuds, these go in your ear, slightly warm up, and within 60 seconds you have earbuds that are perfectly molded to your ear. These fit me like no other earbud has ever fit me, and I love them. With 8 hours of continuous playback on a single charge and up to 20 hours in the charging case, Ultimate Ears Fits are perfect for listening to your favorite music or shows all day long. Built on industry-leading expertise by trusted professional musicians like myself, these earbuds are engineered to provide a full, warm sound with a tight and punchy low end, and you can set your EQ presets exactly how you like them on the app. For a limited time, get 15% off your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com fits and use the code DADVILLE at checkout. That's 15% off with promo code DADVILLE at ue.com fits. It's a weird, it is one of the things I'm probably the most fascinated on this side of heaven. And it really is a question in heaven for me, if that, if I don't know how that works, we all just get in a line and God's like, all right, let's just go first. You know, who's got, and I'm like, that's me. Um, But I do think that is such a fascinating dilemma, like giftedness on this side of heaven, um, especially to people of faith and how we handle it. Yeah. Because it really flies in the face of what I feel like, Jesus talks about a lot and it's hard to sort of feel this burden of like, you're really good at something. And what does that mean? What does that mean that we owe people? Yeah. You know, right, and then right. especially those yeah. of us who have families, cause mm-hmm. it can feel like they're sort of in competition with each other yeah. sometimes, you know? Yeah. And um, there's a lot to learn bec- in, in that sort of discomfort, I think. Yeah. 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 Well said. So, I mean, you, you just, you already answered a little bit of this, but what, what do you think are some of the challenges facing dads 
today, you know, and what kind of encouragement would you give to any dads listening right now? Well, uh, the the truth of the matter is 91% of uh, kids these days, 91%, 9 out of 10, are dealing with one level or another of depression or anxiety. It's 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 a it's an onslaught. Yeah. It's truly an onslaught, and this is coming from a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, social media is right up there at the top. Uh, uh, com- social media only leads to comparisons, and comparisons only lead to inferiority or superiority. Absolutely, so that's not good. Yeah. Uh, the battle with with input, the TV shows and the movies that that uh, your children are are being invited to watch is a whole different category than the things I was invited to watch. And so that, that's, that's really rough. Layer that with a, a weird pandemic year and mm-hmm. uh, not being able to do the things that give you life, like play on a football team or sing in the choir. So it's just, just a crazy, crazy season of, of life. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I say all that to say, uh, as we as dads model some form of stability in our home with our kids, we cannot overestimate the good we're doing for them. As we mm-hmm. model some type of stability, and I know I don't have a you know ton of time left, but I beg you dads to love your wives. I just beg you. I just beg you. I beg you to cherish her, to nourish her, to, to let her know that she is the biggest thing in your life. Uh, you, when your kids know you love your mom, that's everything. I knew, I knew my mom struggled emotionally. I could see it. She had, she'd fly off the, you know, handle. She'd yell at us. She she was kind of rough to deal with. God bless her. I love her. She's in heaven, but she was rough to deal with. But my dad loved my mom. He weathered those storms with her. And watching him love my mom uh, when other, I, you know, when I, I, I mean, it, 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 it was, it was everything to me looking back. Yeah. And so I just beg you guys, all you men listening, the best thing you can do for your kids is to cherish your wife. You know, it's, so you've got these two books that you've put out, Where'd My Giggle Go?, which is maybe the greatest name for a book of all time. And then, <laughs> which I need to make sure everybody understands a children's book. Uh, yeah. And then Anxious <laughs> for Nothing, which not only was a book you wrote um, for adults, but has then, you know, been made into a children's book too. You kind of speak to this. There's a couple of questions we have for each book. One of them was with uh, Where'd My Giggle? You speak a little bit to like how parents can, you know, how can we, you just spoke to this, which I think, you know, how can parents affect a child's emotional well-being? And, and I think yeah. what you're saying is giving them some sense of stability as a parent yeah. as, as, yeah. and, and yeah. caring for your spouse and, and mm-hmm. that the home can be a, is that what you're kind of speaking to is a exactly. home is a stable place? Exactly. Okay. So these kids enter our world. They have no idea what an emotion is. If we can all remember back to our childhood, we had no idea what that thing was that knocked us off our high horse or or, or, or made us so sad. But kids don't understand. No kid understands emotions. Many grown-ups don't, but no kid does. We need to help them see that emotions in and of themselves are not bad. Yeah. When you're grumpy, when you're cranky, when you're anxious, when you're afraid, when you're troubled, when you're guilty, feeling guilt, uh, these are not 
it, it's that's just part of life. Yeah. So I think a number one job that parents have is to help their kids navigate emotions. Yeah. So what we do is we give them the language. This children's book, Word My Google, came out of me trying to help my granddaughter understand why she gets cranky. You know, mm. she I'd say, honey, where's your giggle today? And mm-hmm. we went looking around the house for a giggle. And it turned into a story. Oh, where'd my giggle go? And I thought, oh, children's book. Better write it down. <laughs> and so it, we, we give our kids language. Yeah. And then we help them work it through. We help them work it yeah. through. This I taught my granddaughter the best way to find your giggle is to make somebody else giggle. So we mm. tried to make her little brother happy, and she started getting happy. It's just mm. life 101 stuff. Right. You know? Mm. Yeah. But but these are tr- these are really important jobs for moms and dads. I think I it's so that. great that you that you wrote this and that you put this out. I mean, you know, my daughters are five and eight, and there's a lot of emotion in our house. Yeah. That's just coming <laughs> from the women. There's a lot of emotion, you know, <laughs> underneath this hoodie right here. Um, and I, but I feel like if if nothing else, just giving our kids, and maybe especially our boys, the license and permission to feel all the emotions that yeah. that they have yeah. that in and of yeah. itself just just yeah. acknowledging it and 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 feeling permission to you know emote at all i know it i know, know it and and some of our kids feel things so deeply yeah. right mm, yeah. feel things so profoundly and then some don't you know some some of us are are blessed with just a happy go lucky kid who doesn't feel things so deeply but that's okay we're just helping them navigate uh navigate these emotions uh, yeah. and and i really am uh uh concerned about the challenge of being a kid these days yeah. but i'm also i'm also encouraged by the fact that every time a person a, a parent asked jesus for help in the gospels he helped Oh, every single time, every single time. Wow. So I don't want you parents to feel weighed down yeah. or beat up. You've got the Lord Jesus Christ on your side, and mm. he loves your kids more than you do. And, yeah. and as you pray for them, you're doing the best thing you can do. So you kind of, um, we want to ask a couple, qu- I, you, I want to get to this book really quick. I know you got more books to sell literally on foot and uh, <laughs> metaphorically, but um, <laughs> Got to go yeah. knock, knock some doors. Yeah. If you showed up my house in Nashville, I would literally pass out from Wouldn't excitement. Um, door to door. So this other book, You've Got Anxious for Nothing. One of the things which you just spoke to, and I, a couple quick questions about that one, and we'll release you, but they do, both these books center around anxiety. There's so much to be said about kids and our youth dealing with this thing. And in Anxious for Nothing, you know, a couple of things I just wanted to hear you speak to quickly because I think these are really helpful. For those with both young children and adults, how do how do you talk to them both about anxiety? Like you speak to this a little bit in anxious for nothing, but can you kind of talk about that? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. So, so uh, again, we need to emphasize with our kids that ain't help them know that anxiety is an emotion. It's just mm-hmm. an emotion, and it comes with life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I've I've talked to kids before, and this little illustration seems to work. Uh, anxiety is a house alarm that never goes off. Hmm. It, it, you know, we all have house alarms, and they're good. They serve a wonderful purpose. They keep they let us know when something bad's about to happen. But hmm. who wants to live in a house when the alarm never goes off? Right. So anxiety is that sense that uh, I'm, I'm always afraid. You, yeah. you, you know your child is dealing with anxiety if they catastrophize all the time, if they hmm. assume something bad is going to happen. 
if they find it very difficult to trust that somebody really likes them, hmm. if, they're, if, they, if they spend a lot of time comparing themselves one with the other, wow. if they find it difficult to sleep at night, that's oh, me. Wow. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a, a lifelong issue I've had uh, because alone, you're alone with your thoughts. It's hard to manage them. Uh, and, and as the children get a little bit older, if they turn to uh, ways of anesthetizing uh, our, their their anxiety, either through binges or through a lot of television watching, uh, or through food, uh, I, I'm sorry, yeah, through food mm-hmm. or even drugs and alcohol, those are those are just p- ways that people try to numb their anxiety. Mm-hmm. So so helping them understand, number one, anxiety is not a sin. It's just an emotion. Number two, here's what anxiety is. It's that alarm that never goes off. Number three, these ways of dealing with your anxiety, they, they, they're, they're going to lead to some destructive behavior. So here's how you deal with anxiety. And this book, uh, Anxious for Nothing, really builds uh, some practical lessons around the teaching in Philippians 4 about celebrating God through worship, asking God for help, leaving our problems with him, and meditating on good things. C-A-L-M. Mm-hmm. It's just a simple uh, acronym uh, that... that uh, that I think is important. And then lastly, I always feel a burden to mention for some people, uh, they, they need medicinal help. Mm. Uh, some, some teenagers, uh, some adults need, uh, counseling and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Please. Uh, if that, it, you know, some of us are just born with a brain that seems to have a, an amygdala that never shuts off, you know, that little part of uh-huh. our brain that's mm. fight or flight. And, um, and, and, and so if that's you, then that's fine. Find that mm. counselor, find that yeah. medicinal help and, and ponder uh, Philippians four. Mm, so that. can can you quickly talk specifically about how prayer uh, affects a worried mind? You, know, you talk about oh, this in yeah. the book. And, and isn't it great? We've all seen, uh, maybe we haven't, but many of us have seen gr- really some great uh, studies from the, from the school of psychology mm-hmm. that link uh, uh, emotional well-being with active prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so even for the secularist, they have to say, you know, something happens here when we pray. The, yeah. So the, the passage in, in Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, mm-hmm. but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, mm-hmm. let your requests be made known to God. And, and the apostle there, I think, is saying, as soon as you feel a source of anxiety, a little stab of anxiety, take that to your heavenly Father in prayer. Uh, one of our daughters, our middle daughter, uh, battled some uh, as a, as a child, really battled negative and fearful thoughts. Mm-hmm. And we came up with a little tool. Uh, I would say, honey, every time you have one of those thoughts reach up and grab it. And I'd teach her to reach up her hand right by her head. I say, pull it out and throw it in the trash. Mm. And many times I could, I would see her and she remembers, uh, taking that thought and running across the room and throwing it in the trash. Mm. Well, guess what? We grownups need that. We Mm. grownups need to be reminded just because you have a thought that doesn't mean you have to think it. And so managing our thought process is, is really important. And that's done through prayer. So rather than think about it, Rather than turn to despair, turn to prayer and immediately offer that concern to the Heavenly Father. Mm, gosh, preaching on here. Come on, Max. <laughs> um, okay, so so thank you for your time. We have two questions we always ask at the end. Um, I'll ask you the first one. So what's the one thing that you want your kids to know? 
I, I would think the one thing I want my kids to know is that their dad was a sinner saved by grace. Mm. Sinner saved by mm. grace. Yeah. Mm. That's good. All right, last question. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Mm. Well done, Dad. Well done. Mm. <laughs> well Gosh. done. Yeah, that'd be oh, good. That's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, thank you, you so that, much for doing this. This has been yeah, great. Yeah, thank you for your time. You. We know you're you're. You guys are the best, and, man. You yeah. are the best. You <laughs> yeah. make it so delightful. I feel like we're just having a good cup of coffee and a great conversation. Well, thank you. I'm going to smile the rest of the day because you said that. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you for your time. God bless everything you're doing. Really appreciate it. Dad.